We deny our attempts at self-love, divorced from living upward. We deny ourselves. We take up our own crosses daily, and then we follow after Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say, for I've been crucified with Christ. He's saying, look, just as Jesus died so that I might have life, I am dying to myself today that the life of God may be raised in my own life. And my friends, when that happens, you begin to have the most healthy view of yourself. The world has a way of teaching us to love ourselves, but it's completely separate from the love of our Creator. Today, Pastor Daniel will encourage us to take a different approach by denying our attempts at self-love removed from our upward relationship. We can turn instead to the love of our Savior. Jesus shows us the right way to live and gives us the grace we need to do it well. Only Jesus' opinion of us matters, so that's where we need to look. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Galatians chapter 2 with part 2 of his message. Live inward by loving yourself. When you see men, it means people will be first, will be lovers of themselves. Now, the reason... Within church, you don't hear a lot about loving yourself. It's always loving God and loving others because of this verse. Because people say, oh, in the last days, people are going to be lovers of themselves. So obviously loving yourself is bad. No, no. The reason loving yourself is bad in this list is because it's divorced from living upward. Right? If all you do is love yourself without loving God, then everything else on that list comes into play. So what you have to realize is that what God is looking at is we live upward first and that upward living, loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, that sets the pace for this. But because God loves us and we return that love to God, then because God loves us, then we begin to love ourselves in a very biblically healthy way. But if you begin to love yourself without loving God, look at what else happens. You love yourself, right? You love money, which we know it's the root of evil. You become a boaster and proud. Why? Because you love yourself. You're amazing. You become a blasphemer. Why? Because now you've elevated yourself rather than living upward, inward, and outward. You're just living inward and you're just like, yeah, man, who needs God? I mean, I'm God. Everyone should worship me. Now, we don't use those words because that would be religious words. And if you're against God, you're not going to use religious words. But your life tells a story that it's all about you. And everybody exists to bring you pleasure and bring you glory. Right? Of course, you're going to be disobedient to your parents. Why? Because, I mean, they ain't God. You're God. You're unthankful. Why? Because everything you have is coming to you, so you can't enjoy it. You're unloving. Why? Because you become devoid of the ability to be able to love other people because everybody exists to feed your needs because you are God. You're unforgiving. Because, you see, what this is, is right as you fall into the pit of living inward without living upward, all of a sudden, everything now revolves around you. And my friends... Can we be honest that this is the default human condition of the day and age we live? Like, this is where we're living. Because the world says, live inward, love yourself without loving God. 
Now, I've been a pastor long enough within the church to realize that this goes on as much inside the church as outside the church. And I see it as much in my own heart as I see it in everyone else's heart. Because the problem is when you live in a culture, because you swim in it every single day, you can't help but import aspects of it into the way you view yourself. And so we have to be careful to make sure that we are living upward first. And because we are living and loving upward, then we begin to live inward so that we have the ability to live outward. You know, it's amazing. I I see this stuff. It's really clear when you look at it in the lives of your children. Because, you know, as you get older, you get better at figuring out how to package all this stuff in a way that isn't completely off-putting if you even start thinking about, like, how does this look for other people? We do live in a day and age where some people are just, they couldn't even care what anyone else thinks. They didn't even realize that it's off-putting. But I look at my little ones and I see how easy it is to become self-centered. You know, like my little Annabelle, I love her so much. I'll tell you a funny story. Just so you know what it's kind of like when you're raising a three-and-a-half-year-old. So Lynn and Annabelle and Obadiah and Maranatha were in the car and all of a sudden Maranatha sees a sign. And so how many of you guys know the tagline for Dick Hanna's car dealership? It says, Dick says what? Yes. So Maranatha reads this sign. Dick says yes. And Annabelle goes, Dick says no. <laughs> just like not even, not even thinking about it. Just Dick says yes. Dick says no. You know, that's what it's like with Annabelle. You know what I mean? But what's so funny is, is, and it always makes me laugh, it happened just this morning, right? So sure enough, I've told you, my kids are not allowed out of the room until 7 o'clock, right? So sure enough, Annabelle's her own alarm clock. 7 o'clock, she starts banging on the door. It's 7 o'clock. So even if, if you're not awake, you know when it's 7 o'clock. It's like our own little rooster. Little cute, little face with a big attitude, you know? And so sure enough, I said, okay, Annabelle, I'm coming upstairs. Make your bed. I don't want you. I want mommy. That's what she says. And then I said, well, mommy's not here right now. Well, I want Maranatha. Now, you realize all Annabelle cares about in that moment is what? What she wants. I said, well, listen, you're stuck with me. To which she flung herself on the floor and covered herself up in the blanket, you know. And you see that and you're like, wow. You guys are thinking, the Fuscos need to learn how to parent, you know. And don't think I haven't thought that myself, believe me. You know what I mean? But it's, you see it and you're like, wow, this is such an example of her just wanting what she wants, right? And she's three and a half, so you, like, you figure like they grow out of that, Lord willing. It's funny, like well, our first pediatrician with Obadiah, we go, you know, and when you're a first time parent, obviously you're freaked out about everything. By the time you're three times in, you're like, oh, they're going to be fine, you know? But in the beginning, I remember we'd go to our pediatrician, we'd ask her all these questions and our pediatrician would say, so what are you worried about? Well, we're about this and this and this. Like, well, do you ever see a teenager doing that? And we're like, no, like, they'll grow out of it. It's just great advice, you know what I mean? Like, they'll grow, and we were like, oh, that's good advice. So like right now, I realize that Annabelle's going to grow out of this stage. And if not, I'm going to give her to you, you know? So, but I know she's good, but it was like, it was so classic because it's like in that moment, all she wants is what she wants, right? But let's be honest. How many of us have those same exact moments? Yeah, right? How often? It's my least favorite, favorite thing that I see happen. Like when you go into a coffee shop 
and someone's like getting mad at the barista for not making their drink right. And they're getting all worked up. And I always lean over and be like, you know, if you really wanted your coffee your way, you could have made it at home. Because <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. And, you do, and like, I got to stand up for the poor barista. They're just trying to make their coffee, get their health insurance. You know, like, that's what they're trying to do. And someone's in there like, I asked for 147 degrees, but you made it 144 degrees. And you're like, if you want your coffee perfect, then make it at home. You know what I mean? But listen, you know, some of you are just like that. It's not just the people at the coffee shop. We have to be careful. See, because what is this? When you live upward by loving God and you return to God his love, and then, and then you begin to live inward, God's like, hey, guess what? The reason that I sent Jesus and you believe in him is because you need help. That left up to your own devices, you're going to be selfish. And when you are being selfish, you don't care who you hurt. You don't care how angry you get because in your selfishness, you feel justified. You feel like I am allowed to be like this. And my friends, that's the problem. That's the problem with the day and age in which we live. People feel justified to be selfish. Why? Because they're only living inward without living upward. And that's why this is these three movements, upward, inward, and outward, is so important. That's why I feel like I got to write this book. Because Jesus, when he said, how should we live? He didn't say, just love yourself. He says, no, love God, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. So without the upward, we get in trouble. So if the upward is so important, And we know that the pitfall is when we love ourselves without loving God. What's the key? And this is what it is. The cross teaches us the way inward. The cross does. The cross of Jesus Christ is the single most important reality as it relates to you loving yourself. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What that means, my friends, is that God's way of loving you is through his giving of his only begotten son, which speaks of Jesus's perfectly lived life, his death on the cross, and his subsequent resurrection. Jesus teaches us how God loves us and how we ought to love ourselves. So it's impossible. I'm going to say that again. It is impossible for you to have any sort of healthy self-love apart from the person and work of Jesus. It's impossible. And that is why the cross... And the empty tomb is not the ABCs of Christianity, the introduction to it. It's the A to Z of Christianity. That you and I spend our entire lives dwelling at the foot of the cross, beholding the love of God and what it means for us that God would send his son to die on a cross for our sins. Now listen, when was the last time you said to yourself, I love myself through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ? See, That's a kind of like a mic drop moment, right? Like if you think about it, you say, I don't think I've ever said that. I mean, even it's funny, as I was writing upward, inward, and outward, and I'm putting this down, I'm like, when was the last time I prayed that? Like just this week, I read the entire book from cover to cover for the audio book. 500 minutes of me reading my own writing. That's totally awkward, just so you know. (laughs) You know why it's awkward? The way you write and the way you talk, it's different. I tried to write the book like I talk, but like, 
my grammar's so bad and so horrendous. We had to rewrite all these sections. And, but then I go to read it and I want to read it the way that I would say it, which is wrong. And then it's written. And so it was a mess, right? So, but I'm, I, I'm reading the inward section and I'm reading things like, the only way you can truly love yourself is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, when was the last time I said, Lord, will you teach me to live inward by loving myself through the lens of the cross? And I'll be honest with you, I probably haven't prayed that prayer since I wrote that. And I think to myself, how much sinful self-love have I practiced since that time? And I, got, I was like, oh, Lord, help me. Because what you realize is that when you love yourself not through the lens of the cross, then what you're doing is you're practicing self-idolatry, self-deification. But God loves me and you through the cross where we can have that radical realism of who we are that we are in need of a savior. See, that changes our self-love. Because if you love yourself just by loving yourself without living upward, without the lens of the cross, you forget that you needed to be saved. Like some of you right now, you're hearing this and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're like, well, I don't think I need to be saved. But what I would say is there's no more self-deceptive position than to be drowning and dying and not know it. See, the Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What that means is not that you are as bad as you could be. It's that we've never been as good as we could be. See, the idea of what sin is, sin is you and I living out perfection in our lives. So when someone says, I'm not a sinner, I'm not like Adolf Hitler, Charles Manson, insert your favorite evil dude or woman, you know? People, that's what they say. I'm not a bad person. I mean, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, we could do this all day. You know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or, you know, I'm not the current president or the past president, you know, depending on where you land, right? And we live that way. We take the common denominator, we put it all the way down the bottom. We think the worst possible person we can think of, the person we dislike the most, and we say, at least I'm not that, so I'm not a sinner. But really, the definition of sin is that you and I are never as good as we could be. And in every way that we're not as good as we could be, the Bible calls us a sinner. And that means we fall short of God's glory. Why? Because God is always as good as he could be. Jesus was able to be a willing sacrifice for you because he always did those things that pleased his father. And because all of us can admit that we've never done everything as good as we could, what that means is that you and I need to be saved. Even if you've gotten everything right except one small thing, you're still Drowning. And my friends, when I came to understand that God's standard for my life is not that I'm better than the worst possible person I can come up with, but really the standard is Jesus' perfectly lived life or my absolute best in action and in motivation and in intention, not only one day of my life, but every single moment of my life, I'm like, oh man, I'm in trouble. It's like, I start off all, all behind the eight ball. I even think about it. When I was growing up, so I have a twin sister. My twin sister, Jody, knows she doesn't have dreads and a beard. Right? 
So my twin sister Jody's six minutes older than me. Now, I know you couldn't fathom it, but what I was told was that I was so colic when I was a baby that they'd stick me in the garage. My mom had a two-year-old, then she has twins, and one of them, i.e. this guy, was totally colic the whole time. Right? So me and my grandma, we have a real close relationship. If you've been around Crossroads, you know that my grandma Anita and I were like thick as thieves. Because they'd stick me in the garage and my grandma would hang out with me in there. Because she was the only loving one out of all of them. (laughs) They all wanted to get rid of me. No, what we didn't realize is because my mom had a two-year-old and twins, they were supplementing with formula. And we found out when I was really young that I was severely lactose intolerant. That's why I'm grateful that there's no lactose in Twinkies. Praise the Lord. You know? You know, this was long before you had like soy base. You know, this was like in the 70s, you know. I mean, you guys still thought smoking was healthy back then, you know. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I see those pictures of you guys from the 70s, early crossroads in the smoking, in the teacher smoking lounge at Columbia River High School. I knew what went on. I heard the stories. But, you know, you guys used to think that that was okay. Like, you'd be like, you know, smoking around your kids. Now we know that you killed your kids. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't even joke like that. I'm sorry. That was inappropriate, but it's true. <laughs> so they were giving me this formula that was milk-based, and I was blowing out the diaper, and I, w- I had stomach issues, but nobody knew it. So I wasn't really colicky. They were ruining me. <laughs> but I bring this up, and like, what you realize is that a baby is just trying to survive, but a baby doesn't care what time it is, doesn't care if it's an inconvenient time. The baby just needs what it needs when it needs it, right? Now, what happens is, of course, as you get older you start to learn self-control. Like I'll give you an example. It's kind of a coarse example, but it is part of the inward section of my book, which I think you think is fascinating. That part of getting potty changed is actually learning self-control, right? It's like when a child is being potty trained, it's like they have to go, but you can hold off going until guess what? You make it to the bathroom, right? Now, before that point, when you're a baby, you have no self-control. You can't control, but there's a time when you begin to learn that stuff. You know, and the same thing with our lives. Like, I don't knock a child like myself for crying when they're hungry or crying when they have a wet diaper or crying when they're up in the middle of the night. But at some point, you start to teach them, like, listen, so you can hold it until you go to the bathroom or you can be a little hungry and you're not going to starve to death. Right? And so in the same way, what the cross teaches us, the cross teaches us is that even before we were at the age of accountability, which isn't technically in the Bible, It's like we've all fallen short in a million ways. Every time Annabelle throws herself down in the morning and says, I don't want you to get me. It's like, was she as good as she could be right there? No way. All of us are behind the eight ball. And that's why Jesus is so important. That's why the cross is the key. This is why the apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, he's living out what Jesus said. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself daily. You take up your cross and you follow me. See, the cross of Jesus is where he stood in our place, receiving the punishment that we deserved. 
right? So that he could share his perfections with us. And then you and I live every day not saying, love me, it's about me, serve me. We deny ourselves. We deny our attempts at self-love, divorced from living upward. We deny ourselves. We take up our own crosses daily and then we follow after Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say, for I've been crucified with Christ. He's saying, look, just as Jesus died so that I might have life, I am dying to myself today that the life of God may be raised in my own life. And my friends, when that happens, you begin to have the most healthy view of yourself. You don't have an elevated self-view or a depressed self-view of yourself. You begin to see yourself the way God sees you. And when you see yourself and love yourself the way God loves you, you become a very healthy person to be around. Because you're not, it's not about everybody worshiping you, and it's not about you thinking that you only exist to help everybody else. You're like, no, God has created me fearfully and wonderfully. And God has redeemed me through his son because of his love. And I needed that redemption. I needed that salvation. But God also sees amazing giftings and passions that he's placed in my life that he wants to be at work in the world. I believe that the greatest thing that we need today in the body of Christ is inward living that isn't divorced from upward living. And I think what the world needs today is the church of Jesus Christ to live outward, but not divorced from living upward and inward. That's why this is a God-breathed design for living, my friends. Because all three are happening at the same time. Like, right now, you're at church, right? You're sitting under the word of God, and you're like, man, we worshiped, and I'm studying, I'm living upward, right? But are you allowing the love of God to transform the way you see yourself? And then are you allowing the upward and the inward to actually transform the way that you live out into the world? That's why he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The resurrected life of Jesus is in me. And he's like, the life that I now live in the flesh, this life that I'm living every day, that you are and I am, I live by faith in Jesus. Faith-based living in Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Now, some of you might be saying, well, listen, I can't love myself. What I would say is that God's design is to make you more like Him. And God loves you. So if God loves you, why should you be ashamed to love yourself? Jesus is real. In today's message, we learned that the best and healthiest way to love ourselves is by giving ourselves completely to Jesus. Pastor Daniel shared that each day we need to take up our cross and follow Jesus no matter where he takes us. When we focus our attention upward to him, he'll show us who we are and how he sees us. And then we'll be ready to go into the world and love people as our Savior loves them. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands. And the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel brings us to the final piece of how Jesus tells us to love, outward. We need to learn to take what we know about our Creator, how He sees and defines us, and begin to love the world around us. Serving others is part of Jesus' plan for all His followers, though we have the choice to do so. The grace we've received, though, compels us to share grace with others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.